Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, God is good. Amen. Glory to God. Are you guys awake this morning? We've already been in the presence of God. God's shown up, and we've just had a marvelous time in him. You know, one thing while I was uh, sitting there just uh, praying in the spirit with all of you guys, the spirit of God said, can you see that they've grown? I was like, wow. I could, I could sense a tangible increase. On, thank you, hon. On you guys. And, and it was like, wow, you know, not always do we get to go to churches and are we able to sense that? And, um, but you guys have grown and I'm talking about spiritually and you guys have been after this. So you guys have been praying and, and it's evident, it's evident in the realm of the spirit. And, um, isn't that just like God to show off on you? (laughs) You know, he's just like a a good godly parent, you know, wants to brag on his kids, you know. He's just like, look, look, they've been doing it. They've been, they've grown, you know. And um, wow, wow, wow. It's it's exciting because we all need to be growing spiritually. If you're not growing, then that means you've become stagnant and you're stinking. And we don't want to be stinky Christians, do we? We want to be believers that are growing every day in the revelation revelation of God's word. And if you ever get to that place to where you think God is boring, then know that you're stinking. Because the more you get to know God, the more you realize you don't know and you want to keep spending more time with him to grow more and to go further in him. Amen. Amen. Well, glory to God. So good to be here in cold Montana. Glory to God. We were in New York City the first part of this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, ministering in a church with Jim Hockaday and Annie Durant. And we had wonderful meetings there and it was starting to get pretty chilly there. And then we come here and you guys are chilled. And, but I love it. The snow makes my heart happy. It's getting close to the holidays. Happy holidays. Um, I just, I'm, I'm a holiday chick. I love Christmas and I love Thanksgiving and I love spending time with family and having a good time, you know, together. And with you guys here in November, it's exciting. I hope you guys are excited. How many of you have a Christmas tree up yet? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? So you wait until Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving or the 1st of December? December 23rd? Well, I'm here to testify with the guy in the back. I've got three trees up already, and I'm happy to have them up, and the house is decorated inside. Now we're getting ready to do the outside, because we're having to do it in increments because we've been traveling so much. We've been to, where have we been? We've been to... Washington State, Mississippi, Idaho, New York, and now Montana. And that's all been within five weeks. (laughs) So we've been a little all over the place. We're not going to say who did the scheduling. Not my husband. He's more sensible. Um, But we've had you guys booked for a year, and so over a year, and so we're just excited because we know that God's had something on his agenda for these meetings for some time. 
and to know that you guys have went deeper and have gone and grown so much in prayer, um, I'm here to just encourage you in that, you know. I remember uh, one of the first times that we came, Pastor told me, he said, after you left, you it actually took us to another level in prayer. And and it was just like, wow, you know, that blesses a minister's socks off, you know, and, and just makes you know, wow, I did my job. And um, knowing that where you're at right now, I'd like to just go, God, we had a little peace in that. Um, but I know it's because of your leadership and because of them living that life of God in front of you, even to recognize like what he was picking up even in service right now, that there was there was unction, there was some unction to pray about something and to yield to that. Because you know, a lot of ministers, they don't always yield to what the Spirit of God wants because they have their own agenda in mind. Well, we've got a traveling minister here and they need to be doing it all and, and I don't need to take their time or whatever. And I'm not that way. I'm just like, let's let God have his way. And I am so glad you've got pastors that are that way. Whatever God wants is what we're going to do. How many of you are thankful for that? You know, and God's got variety. I'm telling you what, God's got a personality. And I'm so thankful that he does. Not every, not any person in this room is exactly like the next person that you're sitting by. We're all different. Thank God we are. Could you imagine all Pastor Sean's walking around in the earth? Maybe his spiritual walk, okay, but his personal? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I know you're good and you're a godly man in all ways, but wow. You know, would we like everybody to be identical? No. God's got personality. Look around this room and look what he's created. Oh my goodness. And you know, one of the best things that a believer needs to be able to do is to laugh at themselves. Guys, I've done so many crazy, funny things that I just have to stop and laugh. Um, one time I was teaching in prayer school and I told them, let's all just fall. How did I say it, honey? Uh, the wrong way. Now, I'm, now I don't even say the word because now in my head I get it confused. Prostate, prostrate, which is the right one. <laughs> Prostrate, yeah. Yeah, well, I said it wrong, and they all scream laughing, and I'm like, what'd I say? What'd I say? You know, and, and it's just like, and I just busted out laughing. I think we laughed for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then we got down and prayed. And as you see, I did not say the word because I'm still afraid I'm going to say it wrong. You know, but the things that we say, you know, have I ever told you the story about how I was in prayer uh, with a bunch of prayer leaders and I was kind of, um, I, no, it wasn't prayer leaders. I was teaching a prayer curriculum class. There's probably about 70 people in the class and I'm teaching and I was teaching them how to hook up in prayer. And I was, have I told you this? And I was telling them how to hook up in prayer, and I started telling them stories about, you know, I always have prayed with these three other girls, and man, we've learned how to flow together, how to hook with one another in prayer, and just have had wonderful times in God, and have seen things and known things by the Spirit of God, but we learned how to hook. And so I looked at those, <laughs> some students and everything, and I told them, I said, you guys have got to learn how to be good hookers. <laughs> Oh, I didn't get that service back for 20 minutes. I mean, that was it on that one. It was like, oh, dear God, I'm telling them all to be prostitutes and be good at it. 
you know, just the things that come out. But if you can't laugh at yourself, dear God, you know, come on. We're going to mess up. We're going to say stuff. What was I? I was with my youth group one time, and I said, I meant to say Buddhism, I think, and I said Bootyism. And, oh, that was it in my youth group. That was just it. And that's what we heard all the time, Bootyism, you know. And so it was like, oh, Jesus, you know, just the crazy things that happen, you know. And we got to laugh. You know, don't get so starch that you can't laugh at yourself or be so insecure that you think, well, people shouldn't be laughing at me. I just made a mistake. Are you kidding? It was funny. You should have seen my husband yesterday. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He got a leg cramp. And, and when he was, <laughs> we, us four were eating, and, and when we were getting ready to stand up, he's like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he had to sit there for a little bit, and that was kind of funny, but okay. But, but then when we got outside, I don't know if it, that the cold hit him or what, but then he, I wish he would come and demonstrate it, but, but he stood up. He was, I was already in the car, and I turned to look back at him. I, I, I mean, he, he was like, I can't even do it. But he was dragging it and everything. I mean, it was his hysterical. I was screaming, laughing at him. And it's like, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, well, come on now. Because I sure can laugh at other people, can you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is easy to laugh at other people. But can you laugh at yourself? We got to be free. Amen. Glory to God. I mean, one time I'm in prayer school. Why am I telling you funny stuff for? One time I was in prayer school and I uh, was, I come up, they had done the worship and stuff and the music was still playing. And that morning I had wore a black long dress and put it on and I could not excuse me. I know there are men present, but I couldn't find my black slip. So I had to put on a white slip. So I've got black dress, white slip, and I'm thinking, ah, who, nobody's ever going to see that, you know? So um, the worship team's worshiping. I come up on the platform, and um, I just lifted my hands and go, oh, hallelujah, to find that my slip fell to the ground. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. I looked down, and I was like, oh, and I kicked it off, and I kicked it under the podium, and I told the team behind me, my slip just fell down. And they're all just screaming, laughing, you know. But just the crazy things that happen. But, man, you got to laugh at yourself. It's okay. God's cool. He's cool. He don't care if you laugh. I mean, one time years ago when shoulder pads were really in, you know, some of you women remember this, shoulder pads. And if, you, and if your shirt didn't have shoulder pads, you could buy shoulder pads that would snap on and you could wear them. Anybody ever wear any of those? Okay, thank you. And I'll never forget, I was teaching afternoon healing school there on campus, had this real pretty pretty dark blue suit on and, and stuff. And, and I was up there just preaching away, preaching away, preaching away. And I looked in the floor and there was my shoulder pad. <laughs> the shoulder pad was a white shoulder pad. And it, you know, some people don't know what they look like, you know, and so it could look like it's for another region of your body. <laughs> and so I was just like, oh my God. And so I just bit down, kept preaching, picked it up and just threw it into the podium and just kept going, you know. But afterwards, some of the helpers on the side, Miss Leanne, Miss Leanne, I go, don't even say it. And then I busted out laughing. And I said, it was my shoulder pad, you know. And just the crazy things that happen, you know, to us in life. And, you know, we need to be free. We need to be free to laugh at ourselves and have a good time because, you know, God, don't you know he laughs? Oh, yeah. I think about the first time that I'm 
feeling like, I can't hear the voice of God. I can't hear the voice of God. My roommates hear the voice of God. Everybody hears, and I'm complaining, complaining. And um, a lady that day in prayer school said, go set up, go, go have, make a date with God. And I thought, make a date with God? And she'd talk about how she made a date with God out in the cow pasture when she was a student. And I, and I remember thinking, man, that's stinky. What in the world? Who is this lady? And, um, and But I just decided, okay, I'll make a date with God. Like, he's going to talk to me. He talks to my roommates all the time, and they always say, oh, Leanne, guess what God said to me today? Oh, Leanne, did you hear? Oh, my gosh, God said this to me in class. What did you hear? And I'm just looking at him going, oh, I hate your stinking guts. But I'm smiling because, oh, that's wonderful, because I was raised old-time Pentecost. I didn't know that I could fully hear the voice of God, um, uh, even though the Word says, my sheep hear my voice, you know, and no other voice do we follow. I, I didn't have the revelation of, I can hear the voice of God, and I didn't walk in it. And so, but they had, because they they were raised in Word of Faith churches and stuff, and they could hear the voice of God. And I'm just like, well, bless your hearts. I'm so happy for you. But I couldn't. And so it was very aggravating. I would complain. So I decided I'll make a date with God. I made the date with God, and I've shared this before, but I made the date with God. And I went out on this hill that overlooked the Broken Arrow Expressway where I lived and by our apartment building. And I get out there and I'm complaining all the way up the hill. I know I'm not going to hear anything. I don't know why I'm wasting my time. I've got to go to work in an hour or so. I don't know why I'm doing this. And I get out there on the hill and I'm standing there like, okay, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Don't sense nothing. Don't feel nothing. And um, then I heard, look forward. I just made that up. I just made that up. There ain't nothing I'm looking, there ain't nothing to see. Look backward. Look backward? You mean look behind me? And then I turned around, I didn't see anything. I go, this is ridiculous. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. This is ridiculous. Look to the left. Then I heard, look to the right. I wasn't, this is, I can't believe I am doing this. And then I got mad and I just started walking down the hill. And, and I was just like, I can't believe I'm wasting my time out here like this. Like you're going to talk to me and just complaining, ugly, ugly. And then I heard, read Job 23. And I was like, I'm sure that's not right. There's not anything good in Job. <laughs> and, and then I was like, it's got to be Psalms 23. And so um, I went, got into the, my apartment and was getting ready for work and thought, well, I got a few minutes. I'll sit down and read Psalms 23. And I was like, I could quote it. I know Psalms 23. Why don't I just look at Job 23? So this has nothing to do with the message that I know of, but we'll see. But turn with me to Job 23. Some of you have heard me tell the story before. But you know, God's got a sense of humor. That's what, 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 where this is going. And we need to have fun with him. Let's have fun with God. He's not boring. Thank God he's not boring. Some personalities are boring. They're monotone and, you know, but God's not that way. And that's what's awesome. He has personality. In Job 23, verse 1, start, we'll start at 1. Job answered and said, even today is my complaint bitter. I thought, well, hmm, Job and I are a little bit alike. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. I know that I might come even to his seat. Uh-huh. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would uh, put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. And then, behold, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I cannot perceive him. 
on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he knows the way that I take, and when he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Did you see? The whole time I'm out there on the hill, he's talking to me. Look forward, look backward. Who says backward like that? I mean, look back, you mean behind me, right? But no, I heard backward just like King James said it. Look forward, look backward, look to the left, look to the right. The whole time I'm out there listening, the whole time I'm hearing. But because my mind was unrenewed and I didn't believe it, I didn't think it was God speaking the whole time. But I really think that God was having a hee-haw time up there and saying, guys, look down at her. She doesn't think she's hearing us. And I think that he was laughing, because I sure would have, wouldn't you? Yeah, I love to play jokes on people. I love it. April Fool's Day, I love it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember one of my uh, uh, band members, I, I called him. He, had, he lives out in California now. But I, I called, uh, oh, how did it happen? Oh, I think his wife, you know, she used to be my assistant. She called me, and I acted like I was somebody else. Because she, I had called her husband, and she had called back on his phone because she knew it was me. And I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know. Who is Leanne? I, I'm not Leanne, you know. And I changed my voice, and I started acting like someone else. Well, I didn't know your husband. I didn't know he was married. <laughs> and she's like, what, what, what? And it was mean. I know it was mean, but I did it. Because she believed me hook, line, and sinker, and she hung up on me, and I'm screaming, and I was like, I better clarify that fast. <laughs> I called back, and um, she answered, and, and she goes, yes. I go, it's me. It's Leanne. I was joking. Are you kidding me? She's like, well, I thought it was, but you were so convincing. I go, like he would ever do. I know, blah, 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 blah. but I'm bad. You know, I like to have fun. And you know, I really believe God does. I believe he loves to have a fun time with us. And we need to just realize that God, our relationship with him is real. How many of you have a friendship or you, maybe you're married and you have a relationship with that person and you're close, you know each other, you know each other's voices. I've got some friends when they call me, though they might have a new number and my phone doesn't recognize them, the moment they open their mouth, I know them. My pastor, which is Pastor Hagen, when he calls, I don't have to question who he is. Anybody that knows his voice, well, yeah, how are you? You know, I just know that voice. He's a Texan. You know, I know him. <laughs> you know, but but when you have a relationship with somebody, you're familiar with them, right? And and it is so important that we become so familiar with God familiar with him and realize that he's not starchy. Now he knows when to be quiet. He knows when he wants there to be reverence, but he also loves to have crazy fun. I remember, I had no idea I was going to share on this little stuff at the beginning, but I remember one time I was in prayer school and
and uh, Jim Hockaday was in charge, and he said, he goes, if you want to just uh, be blessed, an extra blessing in your life, come down here and get in this line. And people lined up. We had them lined around the walls and everything. And then he turned around and he said, Leanne's going to lay hands on you. And I thought, I am. And, and, uh, and so I was like, okay, Holy Ghost, we got this. We got this. They're going to be blessed. Impartations are going to be made. And um, so I stepped down off the platform, started laying hands on them. They started falling out and getting drunk and everything. And then I had to wait for a minute for them to line back up in the front again. And the Spirit of God said, you want to see what's going to happen to that person when you lay hands on them? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, watch, when you lay hands on them, they're going to jump high in the air, and then they're going to start twirling like a tornado down the aisle and fall out. I go, no way. He goes, yeah. He said, go to them first. And so I stepped down off the platform because I was first thinking, God, is that you really telling me that? It's crazy. Why would you, you know, but I stepped down off the platform, went to that person first, laid hands on them, and you would have thought that I hit them so hard that it flung them halfway down the aisle, and they were up in the air, and then the next thing you know, their whole body started twisting like a tornado, <laughs> and they fell out, and I mean, the whole place got so drunk in the Holy Ghost, and I was laughing so hard, and when I came up to the front, it was just like, phew, everybody was out, but God loves to have fun. He's real. You think somebody's got a good sense of humor? You know, you can have a good sense of humor and not be dirty. You can have fun in life. Oh, my goodness. God is the creator of everything. He knows how to have a good time. That's why there's nothing like being drunk in the Holy Ghost, right? Nothing like getting so full of the Spirit that, I mean, you start get, getting tipsy. Ooh, we were laying hands on some people on uh, this week. I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday. And, man, I tell you what, after I laid hands on a couple of them, I was just like, oh, my Lord, get me a chair. I had to hold on to Jerry because I was about to fall down on him because it was like, oh, my head started getting tipsy. Everything about me, I was like, oh, because you you get so full of the spirit. I mean, there's nothing that compare. I mean, the trash of the world, you get sick off of it. You get hung over. You get all kinds of grossness going on. When you get full of the spirit, man, I'm telling you what, where you're to the point of drunkenness, there ain't nothing like it. You feel good. You wake up good. You good. You good. You good. There's no, there's no ugliness that goes with it. You know, um, you know, you, you don't have any hangovers. You are just totally full and you can wake up as full as you you did when you laid down and that's what's fun too don't you know the devil's only perverted things that was of God to begin with are you with me I mean he's perverted sexual things so much that it's ridiculous when that's supposed to be between a husband and wife you know but the devil's done what he's perverted it so much that it's ridiculous you know, he, he does anything he can put his hand on to make people get messed up. He's going to do everything he can. But thank God we've got the victory. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You guys okay? Amen. Well, how about we get into what we're supposed to talk about this morning? Hey, hey, hey. So, but God is good and his mercies endure forever. One thing the Spirit of God has, has said to me about you guys in this trip, he said to me, he said, they have been assigned. That's what he said. You might want to write that down because you need to think about that. You've been assigned. To me, what that's saying is you're destined. He's got destiny upon you. 
destiny. You know, there are mandates upon churches, upon a body of Christ, the body that's here. I believe everybody that was supposed to be here this morning is here. Mm -hmm. You were destined to be in this service this morning. My husband and I were destined to be here with you because we don't go unless we have a knowing that we're supposed to be somewhere. And when God spoke that to my heart and said that you guys have been assigned, my heart just started going, oh, that's exciting. Because not all churches have God assignments upon them. Well, why don't they? Because some churches are not even supposed to be churches. They were man thought up, man structured, man everything, not inspired by God. This house has been assigned. It's inspired by God. And you've been assigned to be here. I don't know about you, but I like it when there's structure to something. I like organization, and I, I got to be careful because I can get whacked out because I like to organize. I like everything to have its place. I like my house to be maintained. I like it that anybody can come over to my house and walk in that living room and in that kitchen, and it is maintained. It is nice. It's clean. Might be a little dusty every once in a while, but when, you know that's the way I like to roll. But when it comes to our hotel room, I don't know what it is. But I mean, we'll get in there and it looks like a cyclone is in it. And it's like, what in the world, you know? And, and so I've been trying to make myself, Leanne, stop it. This is your home forever. How many days you're here, maintain it. But maintaining is something that you've got to continually remember to do. I had a friend, well, Jim Hockaday's wife, Erin, she used to tell her three girls, you get a toy out, you put a toy up. You get a toy out, you put a toy up. Well, what is that doing to their children? It's training them. It's training them. You get out of bed, you make your bed. So there's things you just train and teach. You might say, I've never lived that lifestyle. That is bondage to me. Well, that's okay, but a lot of people live this way. That's why their homes are maintained, their, their children are more orderly, you don't walk into their houses after they've left home, and every sink in the di every dish in the house is in the sink, or in the living room, or on the floor, you know what I'm saying, because they learn to maintain in their upbringing. And my household, my mama never taught us any of this, because she had five kids, and we were pretty much all pretty close in age, us three older ones definitely were and she was so busy and she was not an organized person so we never if we somebody called and said oh we're gonna come and see you we had five minutes to jump up like lightning and just try to clean and straighten and do stuff and it would be like oh or somebody would knock on the door and and they'd look oh aunt somebody's here and oh gosh all the kids were running everywhere sticking stuff under beds doing everything that we could just to hide you know and stuff but I think our God is a God that is a planner 
He's, he's got divine destiny in his, in his thought life and his agenda and what he has done to set us up to rule and reign in this life and what he's done and what he's doing now for us to run this race to get out of this place so that the harvest can be reaped so we can go on over to the glory side. Guys, I don't know about you, but the more I think about where we're at in this life, the more excited I get because I know we cannot be far off from stepping over. And what we do in this realm is going to affect us in that realm. That's truth, amen? Amen. But I believe that God is a God of order, and I love having someone over me. I love that God is my God. I'm glad that I'm not alone, that I get to stop and check in with him. Is this what you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Father? I want nothing but your will to be done in my life. What is it that you want me to do? I can't just go to Jerry. Jerry, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? do you, you know, especially when it comes to major things and decisions in our lives. No. He, I've heard him say, because we're going to have to seek God or we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to look to him and see what he wants us to do about that. You know, well, you want to make sure that you're always going vertical to him. And there's nothing like having a spiritual dad, a father God, that we can always look to. And, you know, in the way things run in the earth, God has given us a spiritual foundation here in your church with spiritual leadership to edify you, a five-fold ministry gifts right here to help you. And, and thank God they're here. Why? Because their job is not to be a lawyer or to be a doctor or to be uh, working out in the fields or to be working in any other capacity as a business person. Their main job is to be a shepherd over the flock. And so to be a shepherd over the flock, he's been trained, they've been trained, they've been trained up in the things of God, they have meditated the word, they fellowship with God, and everything I know them, everything that they do for this church, they seek him first, seeking him, seek first the kingdom of God. Now guys, they do that, why? Because that's their job, it's the requirement. I say, oh, they're doing it just for us. Well, they're doing it because it affects you, but they're doing it because their father is told them that this is how he wants the church to be ran. Because they might look like they're the ones in charge in this natural realm, but if you ask them, oh, it's all him, it's all him, oh, it's God, oh, it's God. How this little Pentecostal girl that was shy that didn't want anybody to even look at her because she didn't want to have to talk to you has now traveled the world, has ministered in front of thousands of people. The largest audience I've ministered in front is 6,000 in the congregation, and then there were 15 million that were watching by internet. Pentecostal, shy little kid. But I can't say, oh, look what I've done. Do you think? Are you kidding? I'm a kid. No, it was God being in the will of God, being vertical and walking out his plan for my life. Did it give me a big head? Absolutely not, because I knew when I got up to minister, it was God ministering through me. It wasn't Leanne. It was God in me and through me speaking to those people and setting them free and helping them increase in their walk and in their life. And so as a five-fold ministry gift, you've been 
been given leadership to look to as you look unto Jesus, as you look unto the Father, you've got leadership to help edify, strengthen, undergird you, and help you. But our main agenda as ministers is to stay vertical and to come loaded with what the Father says. Right? And so we have to honor and respect leadership, amen? Because they're giving more time to the Father um, and spending more time listening because we're doing it because it's our job, it's what God's called us to. And when you're in the will of God, it's fun, amen? You know, um, hopefully you're doing a job that you enjoy doing. If not, then you need to start seeking God because you should be having fun in what you're putting your hand to. Amen. And, and when you're doing kingdom business, it should make you overjoyed and happy because you're doing the will of the father. Glory to God. How many of you are glad you're doing the will of God? Amen. Glory to God. Well, let's get after it. So you've been assigned. God always has plans and he always executes his plan. God always executes his plan. Turn with me to John chapter 15 real quick. You guys doing all right? John 15, glory to God. God's always had plans, and God always, always executes the plan. He doesn't hold back from doing what he's called and what he desires to do in the earth. John 15, all of us have heard this verse many a time in verse 16. I want you to just look at it. it. said, you, this is Jesus speaking, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. See what it says? You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Notice he said, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. God has chosen you. Too many times um, we think, oh, well, I've just chosen God. And, you know, that's just how it is. And it's like, no. He said he chose you. The Passion Translation says that I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. And servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my most intimate and cherished friends. For I revealed to you everything that I've heard from my father. Isn't that rich? Isn't that rich? So he reveals to us everything that the Father um, has. Now go to 1 Peter. I'm just going to give some scriptures for a moment. 1 Peter chapter 2. And once again, it's a verse that we all know well. And it's verse 9. But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of God who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now you've obtained mercy. But what are you? A chosen generation. A chosen generation. I'm going to read it now from the Passion Translation. 
but you are God's chosen treasure, priest who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God-devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious works throughout the world. Guys, who are you but God's chosen treasure? Now, don't you think being God's chosen treasure that he has assigned you to some things? He has set you up to do things because he's chosen you for this hour and for this day. Now, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Glory to God. How many of you are expecting to get something today? I'm expecting to leave this place changed. Amen. Ephesians chapter one, verse four. And in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Now, this is the passion. Let me read it from the King James first. Verse four. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. What? He chose you before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his peace, wherewithin he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom, and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things Christ, both which are in heaven, which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we've obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after his counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. I could keep reading and reading and reading, but looking back at this, that it's according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. How many of you know he's chosen you? He sets you up to be alive in this hour. Before the foundation of the world, he already had chosen you. You know, when you begin to believe these truths and begin to believe that there is destiny upon you, that you are destined to rule and reign in life because of Christ Jesus and what he's done. I'm telling you, my goodness, it'll cause you to speak different, live different, walk different, be different. In the Passion Translation and in love and in God's love, he chose you before he laid the foundation of the universe. Yeah. What does that tell me about my God? He's a planner. He sets things up in order. So he planned you before the foundation of the world. Oh, really? How could that be? The B-I-B-L-E tells us that, right? And how many Bible believers do we have in the room? He chose you. He chose, say that, he chose me. Yeah, he chose us. 
He chose us individually, and then he chose you corporately as a church to be bound together in 2022, 2023, the future that's ahead, the mandate that he's placed, the assignment that he's placed upon this church. He's called you for this hour. He's called you for this day. Oh, but I can't get past myself. Yes, she can. It's all a decision. Amen. Now I want you to go to Romans chapter eight. We're going to talk about some things. I know I'm giving a lot of scripture, but all you that have heard me before, you know, I can preach and not give a scripture real easy. And so we're laying the foundation here and we're going to read it from the passion translation, Romans chapter eight. I want to look at verse five. This verse has stood out to me, this one in verse 14, for quite a few months now. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are, are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Did you read that? So if I'm motivated by the flesh, then I'm going to pursue what benefits me. But if I'm motivated by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to pursue spiritual realities. Uh-huh. How many of you know flesh has got a loud voice? Flesh wants to say, uh, you could have slept in today. You've been getting up early every day this week. But your spirit and your heart knew I got to go to church. We're having special meetings and I'm going to get everything that that lady's got because that's what Pastor Sean wants us to do because he probably said she's got something to give us and um, I believe in my pastor so I'm going to be there. I want to sleep but I'm going to be there. I want to do this. I want to go shopping. I want to do this or that and work on the car or play in the snow. I don't know. But, um, but you're here. Why? Because you believe more in God's plans and his purposes than your own agenda. So you've already followed this scripture through. You weren't motivated by the flesh. You were motivated by the spirit. And right now you're pursuing spiritual reality. Do you see that? For the sense and reason of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. Your mindset will mess you up in your relationship with God. It will mess you up in fulfilling what he's called you to do in verse 7. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction. Yeah, you could be walking down the path that God's had for you, and then all of a sudden you get a little slow in the path, and then you begin to let your eyes wander. You begin to begin to let yourself think and meditate on things that you shouldn't. And, 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 and you've got to make some decisions. Are you going to let yourself wonder? Are you going to let yourself think on things that you shouldn't? Meditate, maybe look on something or, or entertain some things. Are you going to do those things? Or are you going to keep yourself in God? Because see, you have any sin that has taken place in our lives after we have walked with God is a decision of your flesh and what you chose to obey. We can't blame anybody else. We can, can't even blame the devil. It was you, sister. It was you, brother. It was you. So who cares? It was you. So what do you have to do? Get up, clean yourself off. 
right? Get back in the word, renew your mind, and, and, and just, you know, say, okay, wait a minute, I'm saved individual, I'm walking in truth, and I'm living in God, because all of us that have been in the world know what the taste of the world is, and that being in God is far better. But if you are not maintaining your relationship with God and staying vertical and spending time with him through his word, this world will begin to pull on your soul, your emotions, your will. It begins to pull on your flesh. And before you know it, you're looking at women. You're looking at men. I mean, or you're looking or you're watching things you shouldn't or you're wanting to take drugs or you're wanting to smoke. You're wanting to do things, drink. You're wanting to do things um, that you know you shouldn't do. Hang out with the buddies that you hang out with in the world. Oh, but I'm going to get him saved. Now, come on now. You got to be careful with all that nonsense. Yes, you can get him saved, but why can't they come with you? Why do you got to go with them? And so that's where you've got to watch the devices of the enemy resist the devil and and what's going to happen? He flees. And we've got to remember that th that wouldn't be put in the word of God in the New Testament to the early church to resist the devil if we couldn't resist him. That means that there is a devil and that you're going to have to resist him at times and you're going to need to resist him. And if your mindset is set on the things that are of this world, then you're messed up and you're going to pursue the flesh. But if your mindset is on him and upon heaven, you're going to fulfill what God's called you to fulfill and you're going to do what God's called you to do. Guys, there's peace, there's joy, there's fun in the Holy Ghost fulfilling the will of God. I love it. There's so much peace. The world can be going crazy and you can be sitting there going, praise the Lord, hallelujah, not a care in the world because you're living your life invested in him. He's become your reality. He's more real to you than anything else in this life. God is your all in all. And you know he's chosen you, that he's predestined you to live a life in him. And your life is not wrapped up just in this realm. Your, la your life, you know, you're already enjoying eternal life because you are born again. God's spirit lives on the inside of you. And your life, man, it has begun the moment you got born again and saved, you are walking out eternity right now. And it's only going to keep getting better and better and better and better. But yeah, but my life. Yeah, but see, that's where you mess up. You're letting your mouth take hold of what your soul is trying to perceive instead of letting your mouth take hold of your spirit, your heart, where the Holy Spirit is. And we got to speak what he's saying. And my future does look good. My future looks bright. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. No, but God does. And if you'll begin to speak out God's agenda, you'll walk fully flat into his agenda and walk out of the darkness and the craziness that the devil's trying to bring in your world. God doesn't love Pastor Sean and Pastor Heidi more than he loves you. He loves us all the same. Well, they just seem to always be happy. Well, guess what? They are examples of what it is to live in Christ, to recognize you're chosen. But my husband's this, my husband's that. Just keep looking to God and you pray in the Holy Ghost for that man of yours. And you pray the Ephesian prayers over him, not where he can hear you, not where you're pleading and he, and you know you're doing it so that he can hear you. No. 
You're doing it in private time. Well, I've got too much I need to pray for. Well, that's probably part of your problem. Are you with me? Because, you know, I can sense it when somebody's been praying for me. I can sense it. I, I could be dealing with discouragement about something, and all of a sudden I'm ready to I'm like, who picked me up in prayer? Somebody did, and it helped me, and it undergird me. And then you have people come up to you. You know, I was praying for you back in this, this week, the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And I figured it was you that helped me. I, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, um, I used to tell single women when they were wanting to get married, the biggest job for a wife is to pray out the plan of God for her husband when she's married. And then when I got married, I got too busy. And then God's had to remind me. Pray out the plan of God for my husband. Boy, isn't he responsible to pray out the plan of God for his own life? Yes, he is. But I'm a helpmate. And so I need to be helping pray out that plan. And if he doesn't want to pray with me, then I get to do it on my own. Well, is he praying for me? I'm sure not a single woman even thought that. <laughs> You know, but Jerry doesn't realize that whenever he tells me, babe, I was praying for you, it makes me go, ah, makes me so happy, you know. But it doesn't matter if he is or isn't. He's responsible for his relationship with God. I'm responsible for mine. And I want to make sure. And then what happens is because I'm praying for him what, and I'm one with him, what do you think that does for me? It comes back on me. So why in the world are we not doing what we should be doing? It's crazy, isn't it? But guys, we've all been destined to rule and reign in life. But the mindset of the flesh will knock us out of the spiritual realities that we're to walk in. And it will keep us from not hearing our heart where God lives. Out of our belly flows rivers, John 7, 38. Out of our belly flows those rivers of living water. And that's where he's speaking to us. That's where he's talking to us. You know, in Proverbs, it talks about the candle of the Lord. You know, he's searching the inward parts of our belly, that God is looking down at your spirit, right down in the core of your being. We renew our mind in the word. And when we renew our mind in the word, oh my goodness. And then we've got the Holy Spirit. Whew, and then we pray in the spirit. Spirit, you know, it's time for us to get our mouth and our heart in agreement. When our mouth and our heart get in agreement, then you're going to see that your spirit is taking charge. These are some things that we spoke about this week in uh, New York, um, but some things that are just stirring on the inside of us, how to be a good spirit. Now, we've taught on, and I know your pastors teach on these things, that John 4, 24 tells us that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And then Genesis tells us that God made us like him that lets us know that we are spirit beings. So we should have understanding, and we have a legal right to operate in the realm of the spirit. So our spirit, which is in the core of our being, because God looks down at our spirit, Proverbs, what is it, 17 or something, or 20, 17 or something like that. It talks about how we are the candle of the Lord. He searches the inward part of our being, our spirit. Spirit, and then out of our belly flows those rivers of living water. Your spirit, your spirit. Brother Hagin used to say, just, just put your hand on your belly right there, right there. You put your hand on your belly. That's where you listen. That's where you hear from. Not up here, from here. And then you get quiet and make your head be quiet. And what happens is what's down here starts journeying up to your soul. 
And before you know it, you're hearing what he's saying. And see, we've made it so hard when God never made the things of the spirit hard. It's easy to be a spirit being because you are right now whether you want to be or not. Because if you weren't a spirit being, you would not be living. You would not have a body to kick around in. You are a spirit being. Your spirit is what makes you kick. Have you ever had a loved one or someone you love or someone that you know that died? And you go to the funeral and you look at them in the casket. It's not them. You can tell it is not them. They're gone. They are gone. They're not there anymore. Are you with me? I was in a hospital room one time with um, this elderly woman, and her husband um, died, but they revived him. And so just his heart was going, just his heart was going, but he was gone. And everybody was like, oh, let's just believe God, you know, spirit of death is gone, Jesus' name, and everything. But, you know, you just had a knowing. No, he's already gone. He's in heaven. His wife came in, and when she came in, she shouted out, He's gone. That's not him. He's gone. He's already gone. She already knew it by the Holy Spirit within her that his spirit had left his body. And because they can get your heart to pump for a little bit. But he had left. When your spirit leaves your body, you're a dead body. You are a spirit being. Where is it? In Acts chapter 16 somewhere, it talks about how they were stoning Stephen. And Stephen knew, this is me, I'm going home now. And he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And when he said that, the scripture tells us that his spirit went straight up to God who gave it, and his body fell to the ground. Because the real him was his spirit. The breath of God that God blew in us when he created Adam. God's spirit came into you, creating you as a human spirit. You're a spirit being. Now, I don't want to just have understanding in this natural realm. I don't want to just know how to make a microwave work or how to operate my vacuum cleaner or how to operate mechanics on a vehicle or how to do stuff. No or how to put my clothes together, or how to put my makeup on, or how to, you know, no. I don't want to just to know natural stuff. I want to understand the realm of God, which is bigger than anything else in this realm. God created this realm from the realm of the spirit. He spoke from the realm of the spirit as a spirit, and this realm began to take shape and form. And then he spoke Adam into being spoke Eve come on now you're a spirit and the realm of the spirit when you know you've been assigned by a God that lives in the realm of glory he knew you were going to be in Montana in Billings on Saturday at 10 o'clock at this church oh yeah he knew that Pastor Sean and Heidi was the leadership that he called you to serve under and to be under. Uh-huh. When we all work together, when we all come together, when we all work in one accord, God's plan and his purpose gets accomplished. Are you with me? 
Oh, yeah. See, I've prayed for you guys. I realize, and I know you know this, there's an assignment upon this house. And because there's an assignment on the house, there's an assignment upon you. And that's why he would even say that they have been assigned. Are you with me? And I know you all know how to pray so that assignment will come to pass. But what do we do? We pray in the Holy Ghost. How, well, I love how uh, Annie, uh, a minister that I, a good friend that was ministering uh, this week with us, how she said, how do you get your heart, your heart and your mouth to come in agreement? One of the easiest things we've got is praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying out of your heart putting your heart into it, putting yourself into it. Because you know that when you're speaking to God in an unknown tongue, you're speaking unto God and not unto man. You're praying out his heart. You're praying out his agenda. And then staying there in prayer till you cause tremendous power to be made available. Right? We prayed right, right there at the beginning of the service, you know, right after worship. We prayed and into a place of such utterance that we knew, whew, all right. Pastor Sean knew, okay, we got something done here. There was something that needed to get done. We said, well, what is it? He possibly even might know what it was, but he didn't, maybe he didn't need to tell us, which is fine. But we all had a part to play in it. We all had a part to play in it. Now, Take that example into your personal life. What happens when a born-again believer allows the Spirit of God to pray through them in their household, in their marriage, in their marriage, in their workplace, their children, their upbringing, right? You guys are hit at a good church. You know all this is right. But sometimes we'll keep it just for Sundays or do you guys have Wednesday night services? For Wednesday night services, we'll stir ourselves up in the car on the way here <coughs> so it looks like we've been spiritual. <laughs> and you know what I love about God? He, he knows life gets busy. But we all have time to do what we want to do. You want to order something off of Amazon? You make time, even if it's at midnight which I just want to inform everyone it's not good to order off of Amazon at midnight. <laughs> I do that, and I say, I'm never going to do it again. And then I do it, and it's like, what was I thinking? You know, because it's like I'm sleepy, but I'm not sleepy enough to really go to sleep. And then, oh, I like that, I like that. And I order it, and it's like, so it's either return it or give it to people that you think might like that ugly thing you bought. <laughs> You know, but, but, you know, how about it's just, you know, we take time for what we want. How many of us surf Facebook? If we just took the time down how long we're on Facebook, you know, I'm not saying you can't do Facebook, do Facebook, but I just don't have time to pray. What? Oh, get your face in the book, he says, you know, but, you know, you've got to weigh some things out. You know, weigh some things out. It's one thing when you're in church, but when you're by yourself, what's winning? 
What's winning in your world? What's winning in your life? Well, guys, what we're talking about right now is just laying a foundation for what we're going to jump into and go really deep into tonight um, about the spiritual walk that God's called us to live in. And when we pray in the spirit, what happens as a spirit being, how things begin to take shape and form, things change when we go after things in God. Maybe you feel like you are like one, like a hamster that's in the little wheel and you're just running, 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 and running and running. And it seems like you can never, can never get out of that little wheel. What is wrong? Just something is just wrong. And, and it's time to stop the wheel, you know, and get out of it. And some of it is because we're not praying according to the word or we're not praying um, from a place of faith and confidence or we're just doing what's familiar. And, um, and then there's sometimes in times of prayer, there's demonic spirits that are trying to keep you back, to hold you back. And in the church world as a whole, I think in many ways, many churches, they've gotten afraid to talk about the devil. Why are you afraid to talk about the devil? That shows to me that you're in fear of the devil. We're not supposed to be afraid of him. He's under our feet. He's a defeated foe. Jesus made a show of him openly, tells us in Colossians, made a show of him openly, triumphed over him in it. Amen. He, God, gave us victory over the devil. We rule. We reign. Amen. And he, the devil, has no authority over us unless we give it to him. And if there is something that is bound in your life or something's just not clicking, you need to start looking and ask the Spirit of God to reveal, is there anything I need to deal with? Is there some spiritual force that, that's trying to come against what you're wanting to do in my life? That's why in the Word, where is it, in James, resist the devil? Resist the devil and he'll flee. Well, why does it say it in the book of James? Well, Jesus paid the price. The devil's defeated. Yes, he is. But the devil is still the little G-God in this world. And he'll rule over a believer if the believer gives him the authority to do it. Ignorance gives the devil authority to reign in your life. We've got to become aware of the devil's tactics. Amen? I remember I, uh, I've been sharing this a little bit lately because these are some things that are stirring in us as ministers um, I, years ago, before I was married, I would go uh, with one of my girlfriends. She and I got this big idea because her parent, parents had timeshare, and we used their timeshare, and all we had to do is just do our flights, and it was great. And we would go to the islands. Every year, we'd go to an island and in the Caribbean. And this one year, we went to Jamaica. And while we were there, um, at nighttime, late at night, we're not drinking, we're not doing things we shouldn't be doing. We, live, we love Jesus, and we're loving God and having fun with each other and getting a tan and just having fun. And, um, but at nighttime, we decided, why don't we pray late at night concerning the will of God for our lives? We'll pray for you, and then we'll pray for me and just have a good time. This one particular night, we had opened the doors to our room because the breeze of the, hotel, of the ocean and everything was coming in, and it was wonderful. How many of you have ever been to the Caribbean before? <coughs> Just a few of you. It's beautiful. I encourage you to go. It's nice. And um, I got to take a drink. Do you guys care? Okay, you're going to hear me gulp, all right? <laughs> I did that this week in the meeting. You guys know Jim Hockaday with Jim and his wife and Annie Durant and her husband, Kevin and Jerry. 
And I started choking while I was teaching. Jerry brought me my water, and it got real quiet. And I took a gulp, and they had a monitor. The, the guys in the sound turned me off, but they didn't turn the monitors off. And they heard me go, you know, do the whole gulping thing. Oh, yeah, so I was a good laugh, and they were screaming, laughing over there. And I just remember looking at them thinking, what did I do? Didn't know until later that they were laughing at how I swallowed. Bless their hearts. <laughs> but I laughed along with them when they told me. But anyway, so I was in Jamaica. And uh, we had the doors open, breeze coming in, and... We weren't praying loud because we didn't want other people to disturb them, but we were praying loud enough to, in talk and conversation, you know, and a lot of times, you know, you're in another place, you know, there's a lot of people from different countries and they're speaking all their languages. And even if they walked by our door, they think we're speaking in another language and we are, it's our heavenly language. And so, you know, we're not inhibited or anything. And so we're sitting there, we're praying, having a good time in prayer. And all of a sudden my eyes, my spiritual eyes were open to the realm of the spirit. And I saw this huge principality demon come in, to, come, come in through the doors, and he just stood there. He was so tall that he would be bent his head down looking at me. And a spirit of knowing, in Ephesians chapter 1, talks about a spirit of knowing and seeing. A spirit of knowing. I knew by the spirit why he had showed up in our room. And I knew that he had shown up because he wanted to see what was going on in this room because of the anointing. Because see, the devil knows the anointing. He used to be anointed. And so when there's an anointing upon somebody, they recognize it. And we're in the realm of the spirit. We're praying. And we're making tremendous power available for our future. But the devil heard it. And I knew he came into the room because he thought I was going to do something to that island. So, do you think I was afraid? No. When I had that spirit of knowing, I spoke to him. And I said, just because you came in this room tonight, I'm now praying for this island. This nation, this, this island of Jamaica is going to walk in truth. And I'm telling you what, the moment I spoke to him, he was out the door. The moment I spoke to him, he fled. Don't you know he wished he'd never come in there? Because he didn't know that God was going to open my eyes so that I could see him. But God did. And then I told my friend Shelly, I go, Shelly, quit praying for a minute. Wait a minute, let me tell you what just happened. I told her, she's like, what? I go, yeah, it happened. Let's pray for this island. And we started praying for the harvest to be reaped. And you know there's a move of God going on in Jamaica? God is moving on that island. There's been many moves of his spirit on that land. And uh, salvations, wow, 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 the harvest is being reaped. But guys, we have authority over the devil. Had he not shown his face, I might not have dealt with it. Because I was being selfish just praying about me and her. But then when he showed his face, hey, he knows the anointing. He came to check us out. Well, you're getting it now, buddy. You're getting it. And he got it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he doesn't ever want to hear my name again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The devil doesn't like the anointed ones. And he specifically doesn't like the anointed ones that knows they're anointed and how that they've got dominion and authority and power over him. The devil wants to come in and mess up our lives. And he comes in as a deceiver through strife, 
through contention. He'll come in and deal with, with evil spirits. Um, you know, have you ever noticed how that, um, I, I mean, I've noticed this many times, you know, a restaurant will come in, it will last for just a few months, and it's a, a well-known company that bought it, but it didn't last long. And so they leave, then somebody else occupies the building. And they didn't last long, and it just keeps doing that over and over and over again. People come in, they go, they come in, they go. And it could be a franchise that's well-known in, in the States. Doesn't matter, they move in there, they don't last long. Huh, shouldn't that make you go? finally just go, hmm, what would be wrong with that place? Every place around them seems to be thriving. There was a place in Broken Arrow. There was a Taco Bell right beside it, a Taco Bueno across the street, everything. There are so many places that have tried to come into that building that was next to them, out, 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 out. And it's like, if you ask me, there's something holding over that place and it needed to be dealt with. Brother Hagen, years ago when he was traveling um, to different places um, all the time and ministering, he had an older couple that him and Mom Hagen used to love to be with. And they would drive 100 miles out of their way to go spend time with them because they could, they could fellowship around spiritual truths and grow together, and they just loved being with them. And so Brother Hagen... Uh, figured out some time to go be with them. And um, this this couple, they were pastors, and they had taken over this new church. And Brother Hagen had noticed, you know, what is wrong with this church? It's so hard. You get up to preach, and it, like, slaps you right back in the face. And these pastors are amazing. They're Holy Ghost pastors and stuff. And he was like, what is wrong with this place? And he left and went on to his next meeting. But the pastor, his name, that Brother Hagen called him Dad Goodwin, he... Um, started seeking God. He goes, I'm tired of being in this new church. And, and it's just like nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. He said he laid down. He, was, he decided he's going to fast and pray, and he was laying down on the platform, just on the floor, on his back, looking up at the ceiling. And he said when he did, praying in the Holy Ghost, and as he was praying in the Spirit, all of a sudden the, the, the uh, ceiling disappeared, and all he could see was the rafters and things, and he saw a demon, an evil spirit that was sitting right up, up, up there on, on the rafters over the podium. And... Um, and he looked at it and he said, well, now you're going to have to go. <laughs> and the evil spirit said, well, I don't want to go. Well, you're going to have to go in the name of Jesus. You get out of here. And Dad Goodwin got up and, and went to the back of the church, opened the door physically and said, get out. And he saw him come down out of the rafters. And he said he was just an ugly little thing, just came down. And he, and he kept looking back at him to see if he'd let him stay. And he said he opened the back doors of the church, kicked him out the front door and watched him go all the way down the street to down on the corner where there was a bar and he went in there and then the next night that bar burnt to the ground it was months later brother Hagen came back and ministered in the church again mom Goodwin said said hey brother Hagen did you sit something different when you preached brother Hagen said I wanted to be careful how to how I said it but he said it was as different as heaven and hell he said it was just major different and he said, she said, you need to let dad tell you what happened. So he said, I went over to dad Goodwin and asked him, said, what happened? And dad uh, Goodwin told him, said, you told him the whole story. And he said, but once we got rid of him, we've had church. 
Once we got rid of him, we've had a move of God in the house. But see, I believe too often that there's demonic activity going on and we're not dealing with him. You know, uh, maybe you've got someone in your family that's vexed with, with stuff. You know, have you thought about praying in the spirit form a little bit more and allowing the spirit of God to reveal to you if there's something that needs to be dealt with? Brother Hagen tells a story of his son-in-law, and son, his son-in-law, Buddy Harrison, I mean, man, he's wonderful. He married Pat Harrison, man, wow, wonderful man of God, full-time, man, his ministry is still going on today, and he's in glory. And, um, but uh, before, when they, right when he got married uh, to Brother Hagen's daughter, um, Brother Hagen said he'd be in church doing really good, and then all of a sudden, he'd not be doing good. He'd walk away from the Lord. He said, I would, Brother Higgins said, I'd travel, be gone from the church, and then I'd come back to be, with, be at home. And here'd Buddy walk up to me, and he'd smoke, he would uh, blow smoke from a cigar in my face. And he might have been leading worship the last time, you know, that he was there, you know, living a good life. And then he went off into the world. And he's, but what happened was Brother Higgins started praying. He got over in the spirit, and God showed him there's two spirits that are following Buddy around. Because he'll do good for so long, and then boom. And he said, Brother Higgins said, I dealt with those spirits, and I commanded those spirits to leave him. And he said, even when he was blowing that smoke in my face, I knew he's going to be all right. And he said, it was no time. Boom. A flip took place. Just boom. And he never went back to that lifestyle ever again of not living in Christ and living in God. Fulfilled the call, the mandate on his life, and ran the race. And it's like, wow, and has hundreds and hundreds of churches under him. And they're called Father's House. And um, it's like, wow, wow, wow. But the devil has to be dealt with. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. I hope this is okay. But, um, you know, I graduated Rhema in 1986. And um, some of you were not even thought of at that time. God thought of you, but your parents sure didn't. <laughs> but um, or maybe they did. I don't know. Um, but I graduated Rama in 1986, and when. Um, I went to prayer school all the time there on campus, had a wonderful time, but then God told me to go back and give the people back home what I had received at school, and so I did that, but I would always come back for camp meeting and for winter Bible, and at winter Bible, I would also go to classes and stuff, and I remember I had come back for winter Bible, and um, something was different on the campus. I couldn't put my finger on it. Something's not right. Something's different. You know, I was only 20 years old, but I could just sense something's, something's different, and um, went to prayer school. Brother Hagen was in there teaching. Uh, uh, teaching a lot and I was like that's interesting he didn't do that when I was a student you know and it was like huh because there was a lot of demonstration of prayer and stuff and then I found out somebody told me said well some people have gotten off in error in the word of faith camp in prayer and um, they're they're putting on fatigues you know putting on army fatigues and and um, saying that they're warring in the spirit you know and so they they actually think they have to have army fatigues on um, and then there are some that actually have rented helicopters and and gotten up in the sky um, in the helicopter with their fatigues on and they're uh, warring in the heavenlies. And where's that in the word? 
And, um, and then they were just praying in tongues against the devil and, and, and being militant and being really weird and, and stuff. And they started getting so off in prayer that Brother Hagen felt like he needed to come back in prayer school and start teaching, 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 teaching on prayer, the basics of prayer, why we pray in the spirit and everything. And Brother Hagen was always the type of minister, if he had to get over in the other side of the ditch to pull you up into the middle, he would do it. And I'm so thankful that he was that way because it kept error from being in the camp. It was marvelous. But there was a season there that we didn't get taught on intercession about resisting the devil or stopping the enemy and everybody would, oh, we're under grace, we're under grace, we're under grace, you know. The devil can't get us, the devil this and that. And then there got error into that teaching on that, on a little bit on that way to where we will, you know, well, you don't want to be devil conscious. Absolutely not. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? But we don't want to be ignorant of Satan's devices either. That's what the word says. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We should be not far from it. Ephesians chapter 6. Kind of getting ahead of myself in some things, but it's okay. You don't care if I repeat some things through the week, do you? In Ephesians chapter 6, you know, uh, Paul here is he's talking about the armor of God. You know what? I think I want to read it from the King James to start with. I realize it's getting late and we're going to go because we're going to tie right back into where we're at right now. Notice in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. No, let's go up. Put on the whole armor of God in verse 11. Oh, go up to 10. Finally, my brethren, <laughs> be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So Paul knew that there still was a devil and that there would be wiles, things that he would try. And he's saying, put on the whole armor of God so that you're able to stand against him. All right. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So here we've got Paul breaking this down to us. That there is warfare and that we need to be aware of it, but we need to realize what? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul always put out in faith, remember, you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on that whole armor that he God has given to you so that you can stand against the wiles of the enemy. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. See, that's where we, even as believers, still get off. We're going through something. Somebody's coming up against us, and we're seeing them in the natural when God is like, if your eyes, if you would let yourself just see that there's demonic activity that's going on, and that person's not even realizing that they're yielding to the devil. And here we are. I mean, I just want to knock them out. I just want to yank their ponytail, so to speak. And, um, but no, no, no. We have got to be careful. The enemy is out to do what? To kill, steal, destroy. 
But we as the church, we're the righteousness of God in Christ. We've got all power. We've got all authority. We've got all dominion. Don't forget your armor. Are you with me? You don't want to forget the warfare that the enemy would try to bring or misinterpret what he's doing as, oh, my family's just like that. Oh, it's been like that in our marriage from the beginning. I don't care if you've been married 20 years. If it's been crazy like that, then how about we start looking over into the spirit and see if there's something that needs to be dealt with? Are you with me? Spiritual warfare. We can't, we can't throw out the, the, what the word is saying about we're fighting against the enemy. We fight like we've already won, though, because you have. And the devil knows you have. And every demon knows you have already won. But what do they do? They go about like a roaring lion, seeking who they may devour. They are deceptive. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. But, but I don't want to be devil conscious either. Well, absolutely not. But you don't want to be afraid if the Spirit of God says deal with this spirit or deal with that. Praying in the Holy Ghost causes your heart and mouth to be in agreement, and it causes you as a believer to pray God's plan out in the earth, and it will take care of kingdom business when you pray in the spirit, and when you are sensing, when you're praying in the spirit, that there's a demonic attack somewhere, I don't, I don't mouse down. Uh-uh. I armor up. Are you with me? Because I'm not afraid. But then there's the other side of the spirit where angels are. I'm not afraid of them either. Too many times, ooh, I sensed God come in the room and, and, and I felt an angel was there. Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that. Ooh, if I, well, if I open my eyes and start thinking about natural stuff, I'll be okay. And then you close your eyes and you start praying again before you know, ooh, I'm just going to open my eyes and pray in tongues and make everybody think I'm still praying with them. Because sometimes we can be afraid of that realm when we need to slap ourselves because you're in that realm right now. You are a spirit. And the realm of the spirit and the realm of the natural work together. You are a spirit. You live in a body. And you possess a soul, a mind, a will, an intellect, an emotion. Are you guys okay with this? So what I have stirring in me is to just share out of my heart and then to go after some things with you guys in prayer. And would you guys, would you mind praying just for about five minutes and then we'll go? I think it would be a good place just to stop because we're going to pick up. I'll, sh I'll do a little recap because, you know, probably more will be here tonight. I'll do a little recap and then I'll go back right where we just ended and go deeper and further. How many of you know you've been assigned by God? How many of you know the devil recognizes the, anoint the anointing? And he recognizes assignments on people because it's anointed. And he's out to stop it. He's out to end it. But he's not going to do it. No, he hasn't got any authority to stand on.
He hasn't got any power because why? We know who we are, right? We are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we just come before you right now, and we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful, Father God, that you're teaching us. You're showing us things to come. Even at the first part of the service, you had us pray about some things. Oh, we thank you for the utterance that we prayed in. And we thank you, Father, that even right now as we look to you, that as the word has started to be sown into our heart in this first service, that as it's sown in the second and the third service of this weekend, we thank you, Father God, that we're going to take hold and receive all that you have for us. Oh, and the revelation of the Spirit, the revelation of how we've got dominion, we rule, we reign, we have authority, and we are spirits and we have a legal right to pray in the realm of the spirit and take care of kingdom business with all dominion and authority where we rule and reign so that your assignments can be accomplished in the earth we're not ignorant of Satan's devices we're not ignorant of his tactics or what he would try to do but we walk in the revelation of the word and the spirit and we speak your plan and it comes to pass and we fulfill it in all the that you've called us to do glory to God and so father we just thank you for it and father we pray for the service tonight that for everyone that's supposed to be here that they get here in Jesus name we rebuke the devourer of the devil that would cause issues to arise to get them not to be here we command you to flee in the name of Jesus everybody will be here that's supposed to be here as they were this morning and all the others and father we thank you that your word is going to go forth tonight with demonstrations in the spirit with revelations of the Holy Ghost impartations and the plans that you give that you desire your assignment your agenda and father we look to you so let's just pray in the Holy Ghost for just a little bit and you'll see them you'll see them doors doors of utterance doors of utterance rest upon this place utterance rest upon this church oh when the bride calls come Lord Jesus come the bride of Christ the bride of Christ the bride of Christ oh Oh, that we recognize our positioning, that we recognize our equipment that you've given us. Oh, that we stand, and when we've done all to stand, we stand. Ha, 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 ha. And your will shall be done. Your will shall be accomplished and we've got eyes that see we've got ears that hear and we'll run this race and we'll run it with joy glory to God 
and we'll not be caught up with the cares of this life. We'll look unto you. We hear you. We see. We speak and say, Oh, with every head bowed, nobody looking around, the Spirit of God just said to me, there's someone that's concerned about their marriage, concerned about their marriage. And the Spirit of God said, tell them everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Oh, God's got it. God's got it. Just stay faithful. Pray, pray, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Oh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Uh-huh. The cares of this life. Some of you are carrying the cares of this life. Oh, lay them down. Lay them at the feet of Jesus. Cast your cares. Cast your cares. Give them to him. And as you do, oh, you'll see light. You'll see light. And you follow the truth. You follow after the truth. Speak out of your heart the truth. The truth of the word of God. Not the truth that's been dominating you in this natural realm, but the truth that dominates us as believers in the realm of the spirit. We believe the word. And if the word says I'm free, then I'm free. Glory to God. I'm free. Yes, free in my natural life. Free in my world. Freedom reigns over my children, my marriage, in my workplace. Oh, glory to God. I'm free in my church. Free. Oh, resala manglese gedisa da brancha dozo le brise da Yeah, Lord. Yeah, you're going to bring things to light. You're going to bring things to light. You're going to bring things to light. And we rejoice in you. We worship you. We give you glory. Oh, my, my, my. And so we just speak your glory. We speak your plan. We speak your power over the next services. And we're expectant. We're expectant. We're expectant. In Jesus' name. And everybody shout. Amen. Guys. Huh. Tonight, tonight, um, we're going to flow. That's what the services are called, right? We're going to flow, and we're going to flow in prayer. We're going to flow in prayer. And what we do in the church is what you're going to need to do in your home. Of course, you're, you're doing it. But there's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's some devices of the enemy, and we're going to take care of some things. Is that all right with you? Yes. Yeah. Glory to God. You don't want to miss out on instruction tonight because we're going to have some instruction, and then we're going to step into some doing some spiritual warfare. Is it wrong to say that? I just read scripture, guys. It's scriptural. Read Ephesians 6. You know, we're going to stand against the wiles of the enemy, and then... Man, we're just not going to pray so that the devil stops. Are you kidding me? Man, I'm ready. I want to see heaven. I want to see glory. I want to see angels. I want to see Jesus. I, and I've seen all of those things in prayer, and I've seen some of it naturally. I've seen the glory with my natural eyes and my spiritual eyes. I've seen it roll in from the back, fill the entire place like a cloud so thick you couldn't see anybody else in the room. And, oh, man, you talking about healings and miracles and answers coming. Woo, glory to God. I love the scriptures you read this morning. It made me go, hey, hey, we operate in that all the time in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.